Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Brian Wool. And I'm Mark Musinski. And we are best friends. My Favorite Friendship is a true friendship podcast. Much like a true crime podcast, but instead of talking murder, we're talking about friendship. We're looking at famous friendships from the past, the present, the future... Con, I guess maybe maybe the future. Yeah, probably. I hope concepts so. of friendship. I feel like some of these friendships will last into the future, at the very least. I'd like to think so. <laughs> concepts of friendship. We've looked at theories. We've looked at, at etiquette. We've looked at all sorts of ways, and it's all in hopes of us <clears throat> learning uh, how to be uh, better at making friends and how to be better friends to the ones that we already have. That's what we're trying to do with this podcast. And it's it's a podcast made by friends, for friends, and we need more friends. And the way that we can get more friends is with your help. And the way that you can help us is by telling your friends about my favorite friendship. Say, hey, you remind me of the friendship of Natasha Leone and Chloe Sevigny in that uh, we're both really interesting actresses. One's pretty funny, and the other can do some drama, but both get a little silly when they're together. <laughs> I love Natasha Leone and Chloe Sevigny. That's yeah. so fun. They even met at a barbecue. Who doesn't love meeting at a barbecue? Uh, I miss barbecues. Hey, it's so cold here, relatively, right yeah. now. <laughs> we could use some heat. Uh, hey, you remind me of the friendship of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, in that originally I bit your ear off, but now we like each other. Uh <laughs> Hey, you remind me of the friendship of Patti Smith and Allen Ginsberg in that uh, I am a musician and you are a fascinating prose writer. (laughs) (laughs) I love our friendship. That would help. We've done episodes on all of those friendships and so much more. Please check the archives. Uh, Give us a a five-star rating if you feel we deserve it. Even if you don't and you want to be nice, I think we'll, we'll take that. We don't really ask for money, so we could ask for your lies. Yeah, I think that's Friends fair. Friends lie for one another. I think that's okay. <laughs> and yeah, not not all of our friendships are positive. Some of our friendships lead to folks' demise and to all sorts of trouble. You yeah. never know. Which is not what will happen if you give us five stars. I would say no, no. the opposite. You'll, you'll yes. receive a bounty of joy for yeah. all of your kindness. A bounty of joy. Now, Mark, we like to start My Favorite Friendship every week the way that we like to, we think is a good way to just run your friendship, is check in with one another. So, Mark, how has your week in friendship been? What's going on? Well, we've been pretty isolated this past week, um, just in general, trying to be safe with the baby. But the big thing that happened is we had a whole childcare setup that we were that we thought was locked in for when Robin goes back to work in a few weeks. And unfortunately, um, the the person who was going to be watching Junie bailed at the last minute. And so that was very high anxiety for Robin and, and me too. But I think she was facing it more and a ton of work to try to find someone else, you know, doing interviews and researching and reading resumes and calling references. And um, what was really, really helpful was a whole bunch of friends both reached out with recommendations of places to look, some recommended actual uh, people to, to watch the baby or daycares or any number of other suggestions. Um, and some people, like you and Alyssa, even offered to watch Junie sometimes if we needed it. Which And all of that is... It was really cool to see... To have one, you know, very specific problem and then watch a bunch of people that we love offer whatever they could to help, whether it was advice, time, connections. Uh, it was it was really, um, I, we were just really grateful to everyone and it, and it made me appreciate all the friendships that we have and how we hope we can one day return the favor. So that was that was my big friendship experience this week. How about you? What an amazing experience! I, man, what, this week in friendship, I didn't, I didn't really do a whole lot because it it rained a lot here in L.A. Mm-hmm. and and so I kind of I kind of became a little bit of a hermit because Los Angeles, if if you don't live in Los Angeles, uh, uh, it it becomes really not fun to be in when it rains. 
the city is just not built for rain, mm-hmm. so it doesn't drain out really great, so that some areas become really flooded and you could get trapped, uh, or, or at least get caught in traffic, mm-hmm. uh, but wor- at the worst, get trapped. Uh, and then... And then other folks, uh, you know, other things in the rain, you know, folks aren't really good at driving in the rain because they're not used to it here. And and also, just in general, the buildings and everything, not designed for the rain. No. So the best thing you can do is just stay home, I think. Yeah. I know. It's it's such a bummer. And especially because we've, with the baby, we've been trying to stay outdoors and stuff. And between cold and rain, it's just, there's just not a lot to do. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel you there. Uh, But you know what? Sometimes it's nice to just uh, watch your friends from afar on social media while you sit on your couch and cheer them on while you're watching a movie and ordering something from Postmates, you know? Yeah, I was was all about that. I I didn't even order from Postmates. I didn't even see a delivery man, Mark. I cooked. Well, that is (laughs) even better, especially because you're great at it. So that's very exciting. And also, I was alone. Alyssa was out of town, so nobody could tell if I didn't even do it right. <laughs> but you know I made it good. I made great food. Well, it was awesome. I guess, <laughs> speaking of going out of town, maybe that's kind of a segue. Uh, not that we need them. Oh, yeah, but are, are these friends travelers? Well, traveling so they, part of their friendship, part of what reconnected them was travel. But since then, they've had a lot of different overlapping common ground. And I know we often talk about common ground as like an important bedrock of most friendships. And I thought that was a really interesting facet of this one, that over the 25 years that they've known each other, that common ground has changed, but their friendship has, I would say, not just survived, but grown as a result of it. And that is the friendship between Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper. I, I enjoy them on uh, the CNN New Year's. <laughs> yeah, that is. Well, so, and and I'll get to that later, too, in sort of how it came up. But what I think is so fun about it is that's sort of their, like, goof-off time to be together, at least on camera. Uh, because a lot of the other stuff, when times that they'd appeared together, were promoting various things or or promoting each other's things. And that's like a show, it's New Year's Eve, you know, it's a party. And they even did so many shots one year that Andy Cohen said stuff and got in trouble. That's, that's how much fun they're having. But it did not necessarily start out that way. Um, because their first meeting was in the, well, actually, I don't even think, they didn't even actually meet at this point. Their first interaction was in the late 90s because... The way that they tell the story is like how um, if you have, they basically were like, you know when straight people know two gay people and they're like, oh my God, you guys should meet. You guys should go on a date. They were sort of set up on a blind date by a friend of theirs. And they had a phone call to arrange the you know time and place of the date. And within the first minute of the phone call, Andy Cohen um, broke Anderson Cooper's cardinal rule of, at the time, which was he asked about his mother uh, in the first, like, 30 seconds of the call. And Anderson Cooper was like, oof, you are not here for the right reasons. And, uh, oh, because, his, because Anderson Cooper's mom is uh, uh, very wealthy, right? Yes. Vanderbilt? She's Gloria Vanderbilt. She was an actress, a fashion designer businesswoman, heiress, uh, writer. I think she has a documentary about her and possibly a memoir. Um, oh, I've never seen anything on her. I mean, I'm aware that she's yeah. something famous or whatever. She was I, also I, the subject of a really high-profile uh, custody case with her mother and her great-aunt fighting over taking care of her, but also to, like, um, basically to control her trust fund. And they, it, the, they basically like slandered each other a bunch. And it was a sort of story of this, the Vanderbilt family, you know, I think Anderson Cooper's great, it's like great, great, great grandfather or whatever was Cornelius Vanderbilt, the, the robber baron, you know, who owned a bunch of train stuff and other assets. And they had 
what is the probably inflation adjusted equivalent of billions and billions of dollars and you know flash forward about a hundred years and you've got family members dragging each other through the mud just for control of the trust fund and so i think there's something salacious about that story um but his mom was always very famous uh from childhood and subsequently anderson cooper was like sort of in the spotlight with her as a child um he was he appeared on the tonight show i think when he was like six years old i did not know this he appeared as a as a um on uh oh my god what's the show called the one in Catch Me If You Can, where they uh, there's like three fake people, or sorry, the, oh man, now I gotta look it up. Oh, to tell the truth. <laughs> to tell, I think so. He was like a contestant on that. He was like one of the the liars, but he was like twelve or fourteen at the time, and uh, and so he didn't want people who were sort of like fetishizing his heritage, his his family, and his name, that name, and and let alone people who were who were just interested in the money part of it. And so when Andy Cohen did that, he was like, okay, never going on a date with this guy. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny because in the interview that they're talking about, this is the two of them on Fallon. I think they've talked about it multiple times, but wait, the one, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I lost, I lost oh. track. Anderson Cooper brought up his mother or Andy Cohen brought oh, up sorry. Anderson Cooper's. Mother. Andy Cohen was like, so your mom's Gloria Vanderbilt, like, at okay. the top of yeah. the call. And Anderson Cooper was like, right. you're not here for the right reasons. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, they were talking about it on Jimmy Fallon. And um, and Andy Cohen was like, well, I wanted to date the Vanderbilt boy. Can you blame me? <laughs> and Anderson Cooper was like, yes. Yes, I can. And But it, one, <laughs> my favorite part of it, that interview is... Jimmy Fallon asked them, like, well, you guys are such good friends now. Like, would you have been friends if you had met when you were kids? And they were like, we had very different upbringings. And the example they used was uh, Andy Cohen, when he was 11, had a paper route in, I think, St. Louis, where he grew up. And Anderson Cooper, when he was 11, was a model for Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein. (laughs) So, uh, you know, they and but what was so endearing about it is you're watching these these two very good friends just teasing each other like all the things you know Andy Cohen's like making fun of what a young Anderson's life must have been but then Anderson's making fun of how you know thirsty Andy Cohen was for knowing about his his family and that kind of stuff mhm so regardless uh they both in the 90s, I want to say they were both working in the news space. Um, Andy Cohen was at CBS. He was uh, actually an executive, I think, and then he did some on-camera work. Um, Anderson Cooper uh, went to Yale and then was trying to get into journalism. Uh, sort of. Sorry, so I'm taking a step back, sorry. We're leading up to this uh, misfired date a little bit, but there's just so many fascinating things Anderson Cooper's life, especially, he graduated. Oh, yeah. Anderson Cooper is a, a fascinating dude. <laughs> he graduated and wanted to get into journalism, but had no formal experience with, especially like broadcast journalism. But he did have, I guess, a bunch of money and privilege and hubris. So he just went to play like war torn places. And filmed video segments and edited them, I think himself, or had someone edit them, and then would just send them back. And he had a sort of, he developed a sort of loose arrangement with, I want to say it was called Channel One, where he was, he just sort of became a freelance reporter because he had the means. In New York? Uh, I think so, yes. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just had the means and the balls to just like make himself a reporter. Uh, but he he was in he spent like a year in Vietnam learning the language and reporting. He was in um, a bunch of parts. He was like in Rwanda for the Rwandan genocide, uh, and he and he sort of like made a name for himself. He's obviously also incredibly well spoken, incredibly handsome, probably well connected. I think we can assume between his family and Yale. Well, 
Well, I mean, like like uh, you you said earlier, Andy Cohen noted that that when uh, when uh, Anderson Cooper was eleven mm-hmm. or twelve, he Something was like a that. model for Ralph Lauren. So you're doing these jobs when you're eleven or twelve. It's going to give you a certain level of self worth, yeah, <laughs> self confidence. Totally. Like, there's no doubt. So it's not like he got this self confidence out of nowhere. He was, he's doing these jobs, and that builds him up to say, "Well, geez, I could do anything." Mm-hmm. And then he has the money. Did did he say anywhere like what made him want to do this? I think he just felt like he wanted to do something important and and globally meaningful and and it's interesting you say why i mean you know because like i he, he, no. was <laughs> he just I, he wanted and to he absolutely does not have to no you know he you know would have been saying? fine like there part of why i'm interested in this mark is there is a theory i don't know how aware you are of this but mm-hmm. there is a theory that he is a member of the illuminati <laughs> and and i i do a stand-up bit where I joke about this because to me, if you're in the Illuminati, why the hell would you be working five days a week on cable? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> like more. You think the Illuminati would get him a better job? That's the, you know the craziest and, and thing. Like knowing he's a Vanderbilt, why does he even have to have a job? No, you know, like you think the Illuminati would put him somewhere else where he doesn't even have to be burdened with yeah. this stuff. Well, and because like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he did suffer. There were some important events in his life. His older brother uh, committed suicide when I think his older brother was probably 23, and Anderson was maybe in high school, um, mm. or or around that. And and that was like a really significant moment for him and his family. I don't know if he's you know, sort of tracing his... I don't know exactly what drove him to journalism, but he did... It was clear that he wanted to make a difference, I think. Mm. And I think, you know, there's nothing like being told you're gorgeous from age 11 on that would make you think, like, well, what can, what do I what do I have to work with here? I've got this face. What if this face tells you the news? You know? Yeah. Then I, hey, then hey. I get to be part of shaping what that <laughs> narrative is. And uh, and so yeah, so eventually he he parlayed his freelance reporting thing into actual you know um, <laughs> paid in advance reporting things, and started working for various outlets. And at, at some point, he did get a little bit. Um, it was probably actually around the time that he was connected with Andy Cohen uh, for, for this blind date. He was sort of. He realized he was getting, um, not a custom, but like sort of, uh, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like uh, desensitized. That's the word I'm looking for. He was mm. desensitized to what he was seeing because basically he he was uh, in somewhere that was going through something terrible. And f- there was a, a body on the side of the road that had been hit by like a bomb blast and the hand was like poking out and he like it was just like a gruesome but very compelling image and he like went to take a picture of it and someone took a picture of him and was like hey i just felt like you should see this and it was like he realized in that moment that he was so desensitized to like this person's death because he'd been just traveling around to places in the world where this was common enough um that he he just was like I need to take a break from this kind of hard news reporting, and so he uh, he like hosted a game show for a while. He did some some daytime segments, uh, and, but then eventually, um, and then you know he uh, blew off Andy Cohen for a blind date. But eventually, he got the gig that I think we most know him for, which is working at CNN, and uh, he very quickly rose through the ranks there they had like put him as a co-host with somebody else for a bit and then they just booted that person off and they and eventually and you know anderson received his own show anderson cooper 360 uh oh that, yeah i love ac 360 which he's been doing for like 
let's see, I think since 2006, he's been the host of that. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's like nightly. And he also still does 2020. I mean, to your point, he's working all the time. Oh, no, he doesn't do 2020. He does 60 minutes. Or 60 minutes. Sorry. Yes. So he's still doing more than one show a night on average. Uh, not to mention, he just interviewed one of my heroes, uh, Rick Rubin. Really? Yeah, Rick Rubin has a book out. I just bought it. Oh, that's awesome! Crazy. I know it has nothing to do with this, but except for Anderson Cooper. Yeah. But I, but I was like, oh, Anderson Cooper. He spent like a weekend with Rick Rubin. It was so cool. That's on fun. sixty minutes. It was this past week. Uh, yeah, this past episode. So I'll have good. To check that I'm out. Big Anderson Cooper fan. Whatever that guy does, I'm like, wow. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm so, so as a fan of Anderson Cooper, it's it's interesting to me to hear you go through his bio, because I'm like trying to think about because to me, I think he has grown to be more sensitive and mm. more human the more he does the job. Uh, like I I see him much more deeply affected by the news yeah. now than he was back in 06 so like i i'm wondering what what may have kind of caused that shift in him i mean i guess maybe now he's he's a father that's part of it i also Uh, think he talked about it a little bit and i read some stuff about that sort of where he was lumped in with a whole generation of people that are kind of in the same boat but what he kind of said was he he always felt that stuff but there was a sense of, um, like, decorum, you know, sort of like you have to present the news in a certain way and you're not necessarily supposed to be emotionally involved in it. So I think if you asked him, he'd probably say he was always feeling that. But we've sort of reached a point in our news, in the evolution of what news is, quote-unquote, that it's... The, the, so the article I read about him and, and others called it like emo journalism. But basically, it's a sort of like gonzo-iness. Like Hunter, not Hunter S. Thompson's an extreme example, but like the, we expect our journalists or we are more compelled by journalists who are like involved in what they're presenting. And I think also because there's been such a embarrassing um, breakdown in like you know, what is truth, what is news, what is all of that stuff. Um, they're sort of allowed to do that now because it's also, like, emotionally compelling. It gets ratings. Like, we want Anderson Cooper to tell us how he feels because he's, like, a character in the story to us. And also, he's he's more close to these stories than all of us because he has to read all of them. He mm-hmm. has to read all of them. We can turn it off whenever we want to. He can't. It's his job, yeah, to keep showing up and and tell you the news, whether it's good or bad. And all of us have the the luxury of saying, "I don't want to know about this anymore. I'm done." Yeah, and he he has to know. It's yeah. his job, and and to me, I think that's something that separates, uh, you know, news news people from regular folks. Is we can always just stop. Mm-hmm. We can get off the ride whenever we want. And yes, I know the ride is still going, and you know, but it's a luxury to turn it off when when you can't take it anymore. And he can't ever do that. Yeah, and he's also in a really polarized system. And I don't know his specific personal values and leanings, but like, there I do. It's like it's like I mean, <laughs> I I'm do. sorry, I don't want to. <laughs> presume the specificity of them but it's like he's in this very polarized marketplace right now and working for a network that is also trying to make money and he's probably being pushed in all sorts of directions but ultimately he has to face these stories that he hates seeing in the world every single day and i'm glad he can actually express how he feels about it a little bit um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how someone like you know, from from back when we were younger, we think about someone like Dan Rather. I feel like he was the one that was the most the most emotional of those older anchors. Mm-hmm. Peter Jennings would rarely show emotion. You know, you, you you wouldn't get get a whole lot out of like Hugh Downs or any of that. Yeah. But Dan Rather had had emotion to him. Yeah, and I think. Uh, 
and I think that's that's one of the people. And although Dan Rather his career ended, you know, not in the most distinguished ways. Yeah. Uh, I still I still think he was a great journalist. I thought he was a great anchor, and I, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of anchors today are modeled after, or they model themselves after. Uh, mm-hmm. anchors like Dan Rather yeah who showed a little bit more emotion yeah um, hopefully in front of the camera and not like, behind it <laughs> yeah um. and and you know I, I don't know CBS News uh, yeah. is is considered still the the pinnacle of the news business mm-hmm. and and 60 Minutes is the top news magazine show so like mm-hmm. you know Anderson Cooper's doing great there uh, oh yeah I, I don't know I don't no, and he, he. I understand so he, why people feel like that 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 emotion stuff should not be in there, but I don't know. So often we hear the, these reports of how many dead and this, or how many, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and even the viewer can become desensitized. Yeah, you know, not just the the reporter, and so I think it's important for the reporters every once in a while to show some humanity to remind you. You know, these are human beings that have lost their lives. You know, it's not like, whereas a lot of people will compartmentalize and they'll say, oh, those are people that live in a bad neighborhood or they they live in a bad country. Yeah. Or they're, you know. (laughs) They live near a hurricane. Those fools. Yeah. Yeah. They make, they make, they, we try to other people all the time to make it seem like this couldn't happen to us. Yeah. And the reality is, is that the world is scary and random and bad things can happen to anybody at any time. You know, yeah. all of this is built on a house of cards. And like how and to pretend like it's not to me is wacky. <laughs> you and, know? And I also think that the idea of the objectivity sometimes like sometimes the things aren't equally balanced. And it's nice to have a reporter who's not pretending that they are, you know. Like, I, like, who's not presenting both sides as if they're equal? Yes, because uh, that's quality. not true. They aren't equal. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's not, it's not a both. And and also, the idea that there are only two sides yeah. is insane. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that we have to look at it that way because of our political marketplace essentially is. Shameful. Goofy as hell. Yeah. It's goofy so, as hell. I'm glad Anderson can let a little bit out there. And and to be and he yeah. kind of came to prominence. Or, or his big his first big thing that everyone was like, wow, this guy is great and tuning into his show was his coverage of Hurricane Katrina. Uh in yeah, 2006. Man. I, and, and then I think he was in it. <laughs> yeah. He was in it. And they liked and that he for went someone there. Someone that wealthy to just put themselves in danger all the time. And like he pulled people out of the water, like I'd see, I I saw that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, it yeah. was crazy. And so we I were think... in college when that happened, and so we had a lot of free time during the day. So I watched some CNN. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, and he and I think they great. appreciate not only his emotional involvement, but like you're saying, his physical involvement. Um, and then and then I think as the 2008 campaign progressed, like he became a a trusted voice and has obviously continued that way. Um, Andy Cohen, meanwhile, was uh, working as an exec at, uh, I want to say, eventually NBC, working in the alternative department. And he had a hand in creating some of the Real Housewives franchise um, as an executive. And he's one of the few people that I've ever encountered that has made the jump from um, behind-the-scenes executive to in front of the camera talent. And I, I don't well, know he's if... A, he's a handsome guy and a very, very uh, uh, charming person. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm not surprised. But yeah, that, that's true. You don't really see a whole lot of folks that are executives yeah. <laughs> making that leap. And he's... I can't remember one. Can you? No. no. <laughs> and yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't name one. And he's so he's now, I believe, an executive producer of all of the Housewives shows. I don't think he's particularly hands-on. And then, and then is especially known for his own show, Watch What Happens Live, um, which is his sort of late-night talk show on Bravo that deals with housewife and other reality tv related stuff and just culture at large and he has a serious xm radio station that is of his own uh, plus a whole bunch of and several books memoirs and again is that charming guy and i think that 
charming outgoingness is how he got invited to vacation uh, with a group of friends that included Anderson Cooper. And uh, this group of friends is, I don't know if it's led by or also includes uh, Barry Diller and Barry Diller's wife, uh, who's a fashion designer, Diane von Furstenberg. Um, Barry Diller is like a, I mean, a super wealthy businessman investor guy who, um, I just did a quick thing looking him up, but he he was the head of Paramount Pictures, uh, including when Paramount Pictures was the studio behind Taxi, um, to connect him to the Andy Kaufman, uh, Bob Zamuda oh, friendship we did. That. He was also... Uh, he took over, or he purchased, and then eventually took over USA Networks during the beginnings of like the the Monday Night Raw era mm-hmm. to connect him to the Vince McMahon <laughs> friendship, How about that? and yeah. um, and and just generally uh, is uh, you know a mover and shaker in the entertainment. He started. He was the chairman of Fox and started the Fox Network. Um. So yeah, Andy Cohen started the Fox Network. No, no, Barry Diller. Sorry, Barry Diller. Barry yeah, Diller. Barry Diller. Did. Their vacation. Yeah, I was like Andy. Yeah. No, no. So Andy yeah. Cohen finds himself. I was like Andy Cohen is not old enough. No, that. no, no. But Andy Cohen finds himself traveling the world with this group of, you know, I guess probably wealthy connected entertainment people that includes Anderson Cooper, and they they totally hit it off as friends. And I guess Anderson forgave him for the misfire date from earlier. And I think (laughs) what probably was meaningful is that they both had a lot in common as far as what they were currently doing. You know, I think Andy was becoming on-camera talent at the time or maybe was interested in this. And and Anderson is someone who had just had his show. and, And Andy has spoken before about the... Having someone like Anderson, I want to say Watch What Happens Live started in 2009. So Anderson Cooper had six years of being the head of his own show before, you know, to advise Andy as that process was getting started. And, the you know, they were both dealing with uh, a bunch of various new opportunities and things. uh, and, And also being prominent gay men in entertainment. Um, Anderson was not publicly out until 2012, although I don't think he... He kept it... He didn't talk about it more out of, like, trying to keep a sense of professionalism, like, my personal life isn't the important thing here, the news is the important thing. Um, yeah. But... and it's, Yeah, he wasn't a personality like that yet. Yeah, and, and I think at the time, I mean homophobia hopefully has been decreasing hopefully decreasing exponentially oh, yeah. over time and certainly it was more of a thing in 2003 than it is now but he was you know he was obviously yeah. known as gay enough that his friends were setting him up on dates uh, but the uh, you know i think andy andy one of the biggest things about andy was he's the first openly gay talk show host of a late night show um, and I think probably that mattered to Anderson and, and Anderson in 2012, when he came out, he was like, I was never trying to keep this a secret, but I've, I now realize that by not saying anything by not sort of, I guess I'm paraphrasing him a little bit, but by not allowing this to become part of his identity as a host and a public figure, um, he was doing a disservice to other other gay men and, and gay women and and probably everyone really who just cares about authenticity and identity and um and so he decided that's sort of part of his decision to come out had to do with wanting other people to know that there were prominent gay people doing cool things i think it was super important too because we you know we we were still having our 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 fight at that time to uh, have gay marriage be allowed mm-hmm. you know that didn't happen until 2015 in the united yeah. states so like it, i i feel like all of those things you know uh, i know some people think like why does it matter why do they have to say that it's so important 
Yeah. People need to see how many of their neighbors and friends and family members, you know, this, mm-hmm. there's just so much that people don't understand. And if you don't tell them, they don't know. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, you know, to the, that work is not done. I mean, there's still threats to gay marriage now in the same way there were to Roe v. Wade. Uh, completely. And so I, I think having Anderson Coopers and Andy Cohens out there is hugely valuable. Um, and so the two of them are vacationing together. The first time they're spotted hanging out in public together, they were actually at the a fashion show for Diane, Diane von Furstenberg, their travel buddy. <laughs> and they're sitting front row with, uh, I think, Sarah Jessica Parker, who's one of their other friends. Uh, just... all, all big New York folks. Oh, yeah. Big New York. They're, they're big in the New York social scene. And I wonder, too, if it's weird for Anderson Cooper, a former model, to like be a part of this this kind of world. I'm sure I'm sure it, you know, I don't know. He's he's older now, so he can look back on it and be like, oh, this is what the young people do. Yeah. But also, it's just you wait one day, Mark. I bet you, you know, when Anderson Cooper's in his 60s and 70s, he'll walk the runway one more time. (laughs) It's also I think he'll do it one of, more time. of all the jobs that you can claim to have, that's probably the most um, flattering one. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I was a model. Yeah. Um, but, How many people can say that? Uh, but so that was that was like kind of their first public appearance, and then since then they've just slowly been more and more publicly friends. Uh, they would, like, for example, when Andy Cohen would release a memoir or whatever, he would go on Anderson Cooper's show to talk about it and promote it. They've appeared together on The Tonight Show, I think on Late Night. Uh, you know, they, they're they just such a delightful pair, and they are so fun to watch together that they have, you know, slowly risen to this, this status where they're brought on to things just to be friends. And when Andy Cohen released his second memoir... The Andy Cohen Diaries. He did a like a live event with Anderson at the 92nd Street YMCA, I think, and it was just sort of them in conversation, in theory to promote the book. But you know, they they ended up just talking and having a blast, and it went so well that their I think it was Anderson's agent, somebody, one of their you know reps was there and was like, "You guys need to take this show on the road." And so they've since done 50 touring dates, I think, over mostly, obviously, before the pandemic. I'm curious if they'll pick it up again afterward or if they already have. Um, But it's called AC Squared because that's their initials. And they just go around like sort of having a fun conversation on stage as friends to all these different places. Um, And I think part of the joy of watching them together is that they're both very different people. Uh, in that Fallon interview, they talk about going on tour together and Anderson like shows up with like a baseball cap pulled down and like, you know, a a sweatshirt on or whatever. And it's very like low key, hoping nobody recognizes him like that. Um, And he claims he's like Andy shows up in like a velour tracksuit with like, uh, you know, just like he described him as like the queen. And then Andy was like, I have a very understated Adidas tracksuit. And it's great because it's pajamas for the flight, but then also day wear. Um, but Hilarious. Anderson talks about he, what's fun is watching Anderson Cooper, like light up this sort of very serious newsman, like be a goof to rise to his friend's goofiness, you know? So he's, like, doing yes. an impression of Andy going down the aisle of the airplane, being like, hi, it's me, TV's Andy Cohen. We'll do selfies later. Hope you're all doing well. <laughs> oh, yes. And that's part of what I love about it, Mark. I, I, I love seeing a, a happy-go-lucky Anderson Cooper. I usually have to see him be so sober, and he always has to... You know, keep keep uh, all these you know politician chumps in check. Yeah. You know, and be the adult in the room, and it's like, man, I know that there's a fun side to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know that that you know this isn't what this is all the time. Why? Yeah. 
and and uh, it's good to see that there are other parts in his life that seem healthy. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that's one of the things I like about his friendship with uh, Andy Cohen is it it feels healthy. It feels like God. Wh- how could you counterbalance all that nonsense? You yeah. know, and Andy Cohen's just silly enough where I feel like he's. He's the right kind of counterbalance. The guy lives in Beverly Hills Housewives world. Yeah. You know? It's like anything but reality. And, and Anderson Cooper is just swamped with our harsh reality all the time. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. And and, I, and so, like, I, one of the things I think is so fun about that friendship and one of the things I'm sure their fans and, and our viewers, uh, listeners enjoy is... is you know friendship through seeming people who are seemingly opposites and Mm -hmm. raised seemingly opposite but here we are in in finding common ground in that they're yeah you know uh, they're both gay men tv tv show hosts yeah and they enjoy travel and (laughs) and being new yorkers and what's cool is to watch like you know the first thing they had in common was just being gay men and that that wasn't mm. quite enough for them to be friends or even go on a date um uh, because they oh. were so different and then they had traveling man if, if being straight people was the only way reason we could be friends wouldn't that be nice <laughs> yeah right <laughs> hey you're you're a straight guy we should hang or i guess i should say <laughs> being gay men in entertainment yeah. so you know they had That's that fair. but then but then they found travel they found travel, and that was a new common ground that they shared. And not only that, just travel, but also a group of friends that actively travel. So it gives them a, a time and place to meet, you know, that they know they're going to see each other. They know they'll see each other again. And, and travel then, also puts you in a unique situation because if you are legitimately traveling to a place that none of you have been before, then you're all at the same level. Yeah. You know, that's one yeah. of the fun things about travel is... If you go somewhere where you all have never been there before, then everyone's at the same playing field, you know, and it's kind of cool that way. Uh, you see your friends or your partners or, and you figure out this new place together. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why rich people like it so much, too, is they're like, <laughs> I feel like I'm the master of my domain and I can tell when I'm not, but let's go to a place where none of us are in charge. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and so then from there, they, they found the context of both having similar careers and being able to advise each other. Mm. That became the common ground of literally working together on a show. They... I, I'm remiss that we missed over uh, the beginning of their, or we skipped over them starting the CNN New Year's Eve together, where oh. they literally just sort of are goofing off and hosting the, the coverage. And um, Andy introduced a thing where they he makes Anderson take shots. Yeah, uh, with him. and they, they, they like dialed back the booze this year because they felt like it got out of hand. There was one year where Andy Cohen apparently got a little too drunk and then he turned around to the other, where you could see in the background, like the the ABC New Year's coverage or something. And he said something mean about ABC and 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 Ryan Seacrest, who was hosting it. And I think he was probably just joking, but he was like drunk enough where it just came out mean, and uh, and everyone was like, oh boy. <laughs> oh. I feel and, uh, bad because, like, you don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves, and it's no, like an important no. day, and, and and you know, live TV is so hard. Live anything is so hard, but and New oh, Year's man. Eve, there's I, no, there's you're just filling time. It's like it's like between innings at a baseball game, you know. Yeah. You're, it's like that's my favorite kind of TV, Mark. That that is my absolute <laughs> favorite kind of TV because that's the that's where like the mundane minutia of life gets magnified and yeah and that's where like the most humorous things to me happen. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the most exciting television and because that television has gone away for the most part, it's what it's what's made people not want to watch because you're like. <laughs> Like what we want to see things go wrong. We we have that thing cuz so many things go wrong for us. Yeah. <laughs> in our lives, I, you know? I think that's like the human experience. Most of the time 
things don't quite work out the way you planned. And it's fun to see that reflected from time to time in your television. And I think that's why they like doing it together as friends. Because then they can... Just same with travel. It's like we're doing this live thing together and it's not going to go perfectly, but we've got each other. Did you watch Uh, them at all this year? I did not this year. We uh, put the baby to bed and then passed out. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I watched them this year. It was still very fun. It was still very fun, and there there were some s- spontaneous moments, but uh, <laughs> I I don't know. There's just something about knowing. I I really enjoy knowing the alcohol always makes me laugh, and mm-hmm. like I know it's not. I shouldn't encourage <laughs> or whatever, but I think yeah, I think it's so funny, and 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 the two totally. of them together, it just feels like. It feels like we're in on their friendship. Yeah, you know, and 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 I love that you mentioned baseball too, because that that's like one of the important things for when you watch a baseball game. The the announcers they have to be friends, otherwise it's mm-hmm. not. You're gonna you have to sit through three hours of a lot of dead air, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so like you need somebody who who has like something they can bond a couple that they can bond over things. To get you through this baseball game. Otherwise, why are you in on this conversation? Totally. And, and yeah, I, I think Andy Cohen and, and Anderson Cooper's friendship is just... They're so great about making everybody feel like they can join the club. Like, I feel like yeah. I can sit with them. Yes. And, and they actually found one other really important common ground that has actually, I think, been... Maybe the most important one they've ever found before, which is crazy to think after 20 years. But that's that they both became parents uh, mm. around the same time, much later in life than either of them necessarily intended or expected. Um, and it's very, very hard to uh, adopt or, or have a surrogate as an as a unmarried gay man in America. And I think... Um, Anderson Cooper has talked about it a, a bit, just the, even for him who has all the means in the world, you know, or I shouldn't say all the means in the world, but quite a bit of means. Um, yeah. And more, more bringing attention anyone ever <laughs> to how discriminatory a lot of those, uh, the adopt, a lot of the child systems are. Um, and so uh, both, both from a socio-political gay rights standpoint but i think way way more so just as like two guys who are you know single dads essentially i i don't know if they have they may have partners now i know anderson cooper co-parents with a former partner of his um uh, but i don't know about andy but they but they both have two kids now and they you know they'll like hang out at the park and watch their kids and andy cohen talks about how he asked his kid, he basically was doing a like, who would you rather hang out with tournament of his child's friends? And he was like, really hoping that Anderson Cooper's son would be high up there. That way, uh, that way they could like hang out more. Yeah. And, and that was the case. And he was like, yes. (laughs) So thrilled. He was like, good. Yeah. We'll definitely go over there more. And so it was just really adorable to hear, they now have this friend that they can share their own lives with, but also their struggles as parents and their children's struggles. And uh, even though they've known each other for many, many years, they talk about how this enriched and deepened their friendship to have this whole extra layer of it and, and being able to turn to each other for, you know, advice and support in this whole other area of their lives. Um, and also about how hard it is when you're like older and you're like, oh God, I can't chase this kid around anymore. <laughs> so it it was just so cool to see how as they've, as both of their lives have grown and evolved, they've been able to be there for each other in such different ways and and be friends so publicly, which they've also really enjoyed that they can, that they don't have to like, that they can make it a, a thing. And, and Andy Cohen can, you know, tease Anderson Cooper on social media and everyone's kind of in on the joke. Mm. So, uh, like also, like a lot of Andy Cohen's, a lot of the 
the posts that I saw are just him making fun of like Anderson Cooper's taglines from his shows. <laughs> that was a, a little window into their friendship that I just found so joyful and supportive. And I'm really glad that I got to share it today. Oh, thank you so much for this friendship, Mark. This is so fun. Of course. And if I were somewhere in the world and I wanted to uh, check out Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper's social media interactions, where are some good places to do that from? Gosh, you'd want to be in Chicago, Illinois. There's a bunch of my favorite friendship listeners in Chicago. Or you might want to check out our, our, our hometown here in Los Angeles, California. Or, you know what, if, if you don't want to go to any place that we ever lived before, check out Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota. Gotta yeah. love Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Dallas, Texas. What a great town. Very fun. Seattle, Washington. Denver, Colorado. London, England, if you want to go across the pond. Or you could go across the other pond and go to Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Gotta go check out Sydney, Australia. Check out uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. What a great place there. Or, or even Tucson, Arizona, or Miami, Florida, here in the States. Or you could always... Head to our our just beacon of friendship in Europe, Utrecht. You gotta get out Love to Utrecht. Utrecht. <laughs> if you haven't been to Utrecht, I visited there when I was twenty. I'm, I'm. It's been eighteen years. I gotta go. I gotta get yeah, back gotta to get Utrecht. Back. Should we? Should we do a back live show Utrecht. in Utrecht? <laughs> I would love just... to. They speak English in Utrecht, so we we do well there. <laughs> I'm in. I'm so in. Yeah, and if you want to uh, go to a place where they don't speak English as much, go to Frankfurt, Germany. Hang out over ooh. there, or go to Helsinki. They love us in Helsinki. So get out, get out, go see people, meet some folks, make some friends. We're we're doing this, you know. And if you Trump- want to tell us about all those friends that you made, please do. Uh, you can find Brian and I at Brian Wool and at Mark Musinski on social media. You can find this podcast at my favorite friendship on most platforms except for twitter which is at my fav friendship because of that character limit and uh also if you're in new york you can see brian in person performing in the wizard of friendship the lou Berger live stage musical that will be on on at theater row in um all of march right all of March. All of March. It's going to be wild. It's going to be so much fun. We have special guests, new friends that you're going to get to meet, and then also our, our cast, which are new friends in New York, which I, I'm so excited to, you know, we, we've been, uh, Alex has been watching the auditions of these folks, and then I'm going to go in in about a month, and I'm going to meet them, and then I will be working with these people you know, six or five days a week. Uh, for the next you know six weeks together it'll be wild wow. we'll be spending so much time with these people who we've never met before and i'm I'm sure we'll all be friends it'll it'll be such a a cool new situation awesome well a cool new situation is what we hope for all of you have a great week everybody stay friendly anything else brian no that's all i got man Bye. Bye.